Hello, I'm David Sparks, and this is The Automators, where we talk about making your technology do your bidding for you. I'm joined by my fellow co-host today, Rosemary Orchard. How are you, Rosemary? Oh, David, I'm surrounded by IKEA boxes. I may have got a little home automation crazy recently. You promised to pull me back from the edge. And um, let's just say that I, I feel like I may have been being tempted because I keep hearing about things that you've done. And uh, now now I have lots and lots of home automation things. Oh, yeah. You're just, gang, just so you know, Rosemary keeps texting me pictures of uh, products shipping into her house to do her <laughs> home automation. So I'm really curious. I, like I said, I want to hear an auto, a home automation by somebody who doesn't have other humans in their house because that, you know, other humans, that's the problem. <laughs> if you're a nerd. I would like to just say that it was only six window and door sensors and two temperature sensors and a hub for them that arrived this morning. That's all. It, That's all. It, yeah. It, it it looked like a very large pile in in the uh, in the photo that I sent you, David. And I'll, I'll see if I can find a way to upload this photo uh, for the show notes. Um, I've got some Aquara things. but Yeah, I'll, I'll get it in the show notes. Cool. I have a way. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. But the... Uh, but also, you're going to IKEA to buy more remote control blinds, and we have a future show. Let's just say that that we have a future oh, yeah. show where we're going to take yeah. apart Rose's home automation. And uh, well, hopefully not literally. I'd like it to still work afterwards. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking <laughs> forward though to hearing all the stuff you did. And uh, yes, but anyway, that's not why we're here. I'm today. looking forward to having a finished place. I'm te- I'm temporarily back in a wardrobe for as a recording studio. So. Uh, uh, it, it, this should be the last episode here, and after this, the office should be finished. But we'll see. I, I have this picture in my head that you like hit the alarm clock, and then like an egg just like wobbles out of the refrigerator onto a frying pan, and you know the whole thing just happens before you get out of bed. Look, just because Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was one of my favorite films growing up does not mean that I'm recreating the breakfast scene. That was your favorite yes. movie. I okay, one so, of them. Yeah, that and the sound of music. I don't know why. I was shown. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang at a young age, and I was too young to watch it. And that was the my... child catcher was terrifying. That I will guy give you could that. smell children, Rose. He could smell children. I was too little. It scared the you know what out of me. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was funny because I totally forgot about it, and then years and years later, I'm a, I'm a dad, and I walk into the room, and my kids are watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and like a part of me just like clenched, you know. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, that was the movie as I was a kid that, that scared me. Uh, I mean, so I can see why it scared you. I didn't see it until I was a bit older. And so, I, yeah, it was fine. But it yeah. was one of my favorite things because they have this automated breakfast. And I guess that's why we now have a podcast called Automators. <laughs> I, it's like one of my earliest memories. It's vivid. To, I think I was like three or something. But I, I, I had an uncle who was in a wheelchair. And I remember h- literally hiding under his wheelchair because that guy could smell children. <laughs> Anyway, enough of my therapy session. Well, it's time to talk about web automation. We haven't gone back to the subject for a while, and there have been some developments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to start with, we we haven't covered Zapier for more than 40 episodes. We're at, at episode 60, David. We made it. Um, you mm-hmm. know, only another 40 to 100. High five. Um, so we yeah. can... Yeah, we can we can uh, we can make that. I think We're, we've got some fun stuff in the works. Um, but uh, web automation is one of those things that constantly changes. Just because new services pop up and new people add new things to new services, and people come up with cool ways of doing things, um, and so everything is constantly evolving. And one of the biggest changes that happened recently is is if this and that got a pro version. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for years, I think if you go 
back and listen to Mac power users like six or seven years ago. And if this, then that was new. Um, the one thing I said was, this is great, but it's just, if this, then that, I mean, there's one condition and one action, there's nothing further you can do with it. And I always felt like, well, you should be able to say if this, then that, and that, and that, you know, and uh, I think even at the time I said, you know, make it a pay service and, you know, now I got my wish. So they, they have a system now where you can make, become a subscriber and you get an unlimited number of recipes, I believe. And, um, and then you have the ability to add conditions to your triggers, but also add additional actions. Yeah. And, uh, it's a little controversial, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people understandably upset about this because they're getting messages that their uploads are going to be turned off. Um, the yeah. ones that they've created below, beyond the three that they're allowed to create, which is absolutely a shame. I, I kind of wish that they'd handled that differently. But I am looking forward to seeing how other people expand on what they can do with the service because I have found that if this and that is pretty much the only way to integrate with certain things like my Nito, a robot vacuum that I had in Austria. I, I left it in Austria. It had the wrong plug and I decided that it was going to be time to get something new over here. Brand new vacuum, brand new place. And also, you know, shipping things across continents seems like a bad idea when, you know, you've got a limited amount of space available. Um, yeah. So so that integrated really well. And my Logitech pop buttons. For a long time, the only way that I could add anything to my Logitech pop buttons was through if this and that. So if I wanted to turn off anything beyond what it natively integrated with, which were things like my Hue lights, then I needed to use if this and that. So I had it set up. If I press the button by my front door, um, then it would integrate with the Hue and the Sonos directly and pause the Sonos and turn off the Hue lights. But if I wanted it to run my robot vacuum, then I had to do that through if this and that. But I managed to set that up and that was great. Um, however, my Logitech pop buttons now integrate with HomeKit. So I am debating whether or not I want to go down the if this and that route or the HomeKit route. And I'm probably going to stick with the HomeKit route if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I think in general, when you can keep automation local, you're you're better. I mean, who wants to rely on the internet for their automation? Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that if this, then that, the first thing problem they really solved, and I think they did it, I think they may have been the first one out of the gate to do this was to take a different technologies different companies and allow you to combine them you know and yeah. and like use a trigger from your wemo to fire something off with your hue lights and that was uh that was really a valuable service because nobody else could do it but in the in, you know intervening years a lot of these home kit manufacturers have got in the game where you know they use the glue that is apple home kit or google's um home kit version of HomeKit, which name escapes me at the moment. But, you know, the, these different platform vendors have their own mm -hmm. kind of integrated systems they're trying to put together. Um, there is, I feel like, still space for If This Then That, though. Oh, definitely, um, yeah. Because there, there's still some home automation stuff. Because it's just, I mean, looking through the If This Then That list of service providers, it's just like every, you know, home automation thing you've ever thought of is seems like it's in there. But um, also, I feel like it's very good at, like, grabbing one thing from the Internet and using it at some other point in the Internet. And they also have done a good job of app integration for mm -hmm. people on Apple platforms. So, um, you know, I don't know what the deal they made with Apple was, but they've got access to some data from your iCloud stuff. Um, one of my personal favorite integrations with If This Then That is Day One. I'm a big Day One journaler. 
and I've got a couple day one things going on. One of them is if um, if I have if I favorite a tweet, then it gets saved to my day one um, library through if this then that. And if I publish a blog post at Max Sparky, it gets saved to day one in a separate you know diary in day one. So there's a couple things I have going that I just don't think I could do any other way. Mm-hmm. So so just to kind of back up a few steps, though, what they've done now it used to be that you. You could make up as many of these integrations as you wanted, but they were limited in scope. You know, you couldn't have multiple multiple dimensions to them. Uh, what they have now is the standard plan, which is free, and you can use as many uh, applets that you get from other people. Like if you go to the website and just turn somebody else's on, and you can make up to three of your own. And that's what has a lot of folks upset because a lot of people have a, a lot more than three. And they're like, well, if I want to mm-hmm. keep doing them, now I have to pay you. Now, as we publish this, um, they are doing a set your own price um, promotion. I have a feeling that this may end the day before this podcast releases, David. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's hard to know. I, at, at one point, they said it was going to be through September, but we're recording this in October and it's still up. So I and have you heard something? I believe I heard that the set your own price for um, as long as they say uh, is ending on October 7th. And this podcast releases October 8th. Uh, that's sad. All right. Well, I will do a blog post at Max Barkey. And um, so if you guys follow Max Barkey, then you will have benefited from that. But the um, I do think that and then it's unclear what the price will be. I've seen reference to 999 but i don't know that that's the final price i don't know so the the current official monthly price after this special offer ends is 999 a month but if you did set it before the special offer ended then it should be set to that price forever now uh david as a lawyer i'm sure you can 100 tell us that forever doesn't necessarily mean forever and ever and ever it means until they change their mind because it's somewhere in the small print that they can do that i mean our Half the internet's already mad at them for doing this. So I think if they change the set your own price, I think that they get the other half of the internet mad at them too. I'm not sure that they probably. do that. Probably, yes. Um, so theoretically, they, they've they set it for, if you set your price, then it, it's set forever. Um, and I have locked in at a lower price just because I'm curious to see what comes and I will, I'm hopefully going to be able to increase how much money I, I pay them later. Um, but at the moment, I'm not 100% sure um, what other things I can do with this beyond what I'm already doing. And most of my my uh, if this and that um, applets, I believe they're called, um, are just very simple standard as they were before Pro became a thing. When this happens, do that. So I've got a lot of day one integrations just like you, David, um, where I'm saying um, I've got I've set up an integration with TripIt. Now, TripIt doesn't uh, have if this and that support. But what I've done is I've subscribed to my TripIt calendar in Google Calendar. And when a new event is added to that calendar, then it logs it on that day as you uh, this this travel is booked. Um, and then when it actually happens, then it starts uh, a new diary entry about half an hour before, which is enough time if I'm flying somewhere that the entry will be in my day one. And then I can save pictures to that on the plane um, or on, on the train or wherever I am so that I actually have an entry associated with each thing and I can take photos and just put them straight in the entry, which is quite nice. Yeah. But neither one of us are taking full advantage of these new features because they're they're brand new. And honestly, we just need time to kind of integrate them. But I I spend time playing with them to get an idea how they work. And 
So the the way you set it up is it's the traditional if this then that setup. It's like if I unlock the front door, then turn the lights on. But then you can add intervening qualifying steps in the, into the trigger. Like if I unlock the front door when it's dark outside and the the sample I was working with, I was using the um, dark skies to see, well, dark skies knows if it's dark outside, so I'll use that part of if this and that. So if I unlock the door and it's dark outside, then turn the lights on. And they even have a JavaScript filter you can run, which you it looks like you almost have to in order to kind of put logic between those two pieces. Mm-hmm. But you can write JavaScript into this online automation. And so at the qualifying level, one of the things that I thought was interesting was what if I use this JavaScript to write in a pause? You know, something I've always wanted in these cloud services was the ability to pause. And even with, you know, the HomeKit stuff. So like, let's say if I unlock the front door, wait five minutes. And if the door is not locked again, then lock the door. But I don't want it to immediately lock the door. I need enough time to get my groceries in or whatever. But if I forget to lock the door, then go ahead and lock it for me. And I think... I could do that with JavaScript and if this, then that. Like you, I have bought a subscription. I have not pledged $10 a month. I've pledged less. Um, I did $5 a month. Mm-hmm. But the, um, but I think there may be a space in my heart for this once I get going on it. And uh, But I just, I've got to take the time to write the scripts. And then, you know, the, the back end of it, in addition to having these qualifications on these online triggers, you can also say, in addition to turning on the lights, you can also say, you know, do any other automation that you can do through if this, then that, like lock the door or um, turn on another light or whatever it is you've got hooked up with if this, then that. So this is what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, I, it's not clear to me exactly how necessary the JavaScript filtering is. You know, um, if it is truly necessary for any qualification to work, having to stop and write a JavaScript seems to me like a huge barrier for a lot of people. I mean, I yeah. can do it, but it's just going to, it's like, do I want to put the time into it? Yeah, definitely. And um, I, uh, so that, that's interesting to me. I want to see how that all plays out. But, you know, it, it is kind of what we asked for. Now, in terms of the people that are upset about the price, I get that. Um you know, we were talking before we started recording, not only do the people that use it have to pay now, but also the app developers have a fee, you know, to get involved with this as well. So, um, but I also get from the flip side that companies need to stay in business, you know, and I honestly, there must have been a way they were doing it, but I don't know how they monetized all these years because I'd never paid if this and that a dime until a few weeks ago, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm not really sure how they stay in business all the time. Um, so, you know, it, it's, uh, it, you know, make your own decisions. You know, if you just think it's ridiculous, don't want to pay it, then don't pay it. But um, all the cloud services we're going to talk about today have some kind of monthly fee associated with them. And I do think that, you know, finding a way for them to monetize that stuff makes sense. Whereas not monetizing means that they're going to what sell data or, you know, what, how are they, what are they going to do to keep the lights on? And I'm not sure I'm comfortable with those options either. No, me either. And one of the things that if this and that definitely does that other services don't do 
is, um, you know, there, there are so many things on here that you just don't find elsewhere. So Alexa is not something I found on Zapier or Integromat or the other options. I've just, yeah. I've been scrolling through. I've discovered Tesco, a supermarket here in the UK, is on If This Then That. Um, and it looks like uh, you can check for price drops and you can add stuff to your basket and things like that, which I'm thinking has a lot of potential. Um, what I really wish is that my washer and dryer were smart because there are smart washers and dryers on here and I would love a push notification when any of them finish. Um, but, uh, I'm not able to do that right now. So I've ordered some sensors that might work for that. Um, we'll see. Um, but there, there's, you know, all of these things, this is, you know, where if this and that, you know, really is extremely strong because they have, you know, things like when your Logitech Harmony scene starts and Logitech Harmony doesn't integrate with HomeKit. So I can't, you know, directly do that. I can work around it with HomeBridge or I can work around it with if this and that. Um, and the Harmony stuff is going through the Harmony system anyway. So I'm I'm definitely going to be uh, playing with the, the uh, Harmony things here to get that working. But my Harmony stuff is currently in a box because my place is being redecorated. So everything was out of boxes. Now it's back in boxes, unfortunately. Yeah. Another one that's on If This Then That that I haven't seen elsewhere, although it may be on Zapier, I need to check, is Instapaper, you know. And saving articles in Instapaper or starring an article in Instapaper can trigger off an automation. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff I think If This Then That is so good for. Um, and the negative column, you know, because I've been playing with it the last few weeks, prepping for today's show, um, I was sad to see Basecamp is not a participant in If This Then That because I do a lot of stuff in Basecamp and it'd be nice to to add those automation triggers through If This Then That. Yeah. Um, and Toggle, surprisingly, is not. And I thought Toggle played with everybody. So mm. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, so, I mean, there it's just, and that's one of the weird things about this whole cloud uh, automation thing is that it seems like each different person, each different company that's offering some sort of cloud automation glue has different companies they're working with. It's there, There's not one that has them all. No, no, um, which is a shame. But at the same time, this is, you know, how they define their unique selling point. Um, you know, if you want to send your Fitbit weight automatically to iOS Health, then in, if this and that is the way to do it because it integrates with both Fitbit and iOS Health. It can only put things in iOS Health, to be clear. It can't you know, retrieve data um, and it can't be triggered based on data that's added to the health app. So you have to, you have to go from Fitbit or whatever service to the health app, but that's doable. And that's the only system I know of that doesn't, you know, require something running, you know, a one on your device manually by you to do that. Yeah, um, indeed, that's, I have that automation. I have an ancient withing scale and, um, and I, I have to look into this. I think that might be the thing slowing down my network, but I'm not sure. But, ah. yeah. but anyway, I have this ancient witting scale, and I have an if this, then that formula or recipe I put together years ago, and it just saves the weight to my health app, and I don't have to bother with it, at, you, know, autom you know, entering it in any way. Yeah, I, I just bought a new scale, 30 pounds, UFY uh, by the people who make the anchor stuff, um, and it integrates with iOS Health directly. So oh, I, really? UFY, yeah. you mean? Yeah, Yuffie. Yeah, I didn't know they made a scale. I, have you been yeah. listening to Mac Power Users? I've gone in so hard with Yuffie on their security mm -hmm. cameras. Oh, yeah. I'm very tempted to do the security cameras. But... They're they're very reasonable, too. I mean, they're not that expensive. Yeah, and they're on sale at the moment as well. And with Prime Day coming, I suspect they're going to see further price drops. I just don't know if I've got somewhere that I can put cameras that won't invade the privacy of other people because I live in a shared building. 
Yeah. Um, I've, I've got an apartment um, and I would have to be careful about where I place the cameras so that I don't record other people coming and going to their apartments, which feels like a massive invasion of privacy. Um, just, just get one so. and point it at your front door. Yeah, I just need to figure out where I can put it to point it at my front door without it covering somebody else's front door. Okay. So, yeah. I'm considering options. I, I'll talk to the other people in the building as well before I do anything. Don't want to make anybody upset. All right. Yuffie scale. Well, there we go, Rose. Now you're going to cost me money. It, they're surprisingly cheap. And I have to say, it works really nicely. And, you know, it, it, it seems to work well. So it was well rated on Wirecutter. Well, I, I think this the Wi-Fi in this scale is it's like i've owned this thing i don't know seven eight years now i mean mm. i think it i i have to research this but as i understand it when you've got something that's slow on your network it's it can really slow down other things as well yeah yeah this episode of automate is brought to you by pdf pen from our friends at smile you can use powerful pdf editing wherever you are with pdf pen the ultimate editing tool for your Mac, iPad, or iPhone. Whether you're on the road or at your desk, need advanced editing features, or just want to sign an email back a contract, PDF Pen has got you covered. Have you ever wanted to add in colored, lined, or blank graph pages to a document? Now, in PDF Pen Pro, you can choose from various paper styles for more effective note-taking, organization, and customization. So for all of you creatives, this one is for you. PDF Pen 12 now includes a call-out tool to enable collaboration through comments, notes, and other annotations, advanced PDF compression, the ability to optimize PDF sizing, and all of these come as standard in the software. PDF Pen, PDF Pen Pro, and PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone all work together for seamless editing across your devices when used with Dropbox or iCloud. I love using PDF Pen. I had to fill out a form for my new apartment earlier today, and it just worked. I fil I pulled it up in PDF Pen on my iPad, filled it out using my Apple Pencil, and sent it back after adding my signature from my template. Learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. If you do any work with PDFs, you need PDF Pen. Go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Our thanks to PDF Pen for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Rose, there's another service that we have not discussed on the Automators podcast. It's uh, Integromat. And I know this is one that is uh, that you've been spending a lot of time with. Yeah. So I, uh, well, I was familiar with Integromat for a while and I was using their free plan. And then I ran out of space on Zapier. So Zapier, uh, for $20 a month, you can have uh, 20 zaps. Um, and I ran out of space and I wasn't yet at the stage where I felt that it was worth upgrading to the next level plan on Zapier. And so I decided that I would go and have a look at Integromat and see whether or not I could cover my bases for $9 a month there. Uh, so that's half the price of a $20 a month Zapier plan, less than. Um, and they've got loads of services. So unlike if this and that, they do have Basecamp, they've got Pushcut, they've got Toggle. Um, but what I really love about Integromat is how visual it is. So you have these little circles that represent the services and the actions that you're doing, and you drag them out and you you put them on, on this blank canvas, and then you link them together and you literally draw lines between them. And then there's a magic wand tool to automatically align everything if you want it all neat and tidy. Um, but it has branching on the base level plans, um, and it it feels to me like it works really, really well. It's 100% solid. Um, and I've just been doing so much with it that I 
just kind of wanted to play with it. I've been kind of using it more as a a, a sandbox um, than uh, Zapier, which has got a lot of things in it that are very, you know, like this absolutely has to work 100% of the time, like getting the automated show notes out the door. That's in Zapier. But it's actually triggered by Integro Map because uh, Zapier can only run on something that is moves into a view in Airtable once. Um, and I wanted to be able to use things multiple times. So I'm having Integro Map look at Zapier views every sort of quarter of an hour and send each one of those items that it finds in that view over to a webhook on Zapier, which is working really nicely for me. All right. So um, let's start with some simple Integromat automation. I, I started playing with it as we prepped for the show, but I, I'm mm-hmm. not in as deep as you are yet. But I do agree with kind of the architectural uh, look of things. And I, I like that you put them on the screen. And I think so often these web services, the interface is, is really difficult to get when you're you know, mm-hmm. in a browser trying to connect pipes between different web services. Yeah. And one, one thing that immediately stood out for me is this is definitely more of a web service connector than a home automation thing. Yes, yeah. Uh, but there is a lot here. So give me, give me a simple one that you use. Okay. Uh, a simple one? Well, I've already mentioned the, the automated show notes one. That literally is looking at a specific view in Airtable. Um, so I started with the Airtable action, and it's Airtable search records action. Um, and it runs every 15 minutes. So uh, there's a little clock on the left-hand side of the the Airtable action for search records, which I could set to uh, once every day, certain days of the week, certain days of the month, specific days, or at regular intervals. And then I input a number of minutes, and it has to be higher than five. Um, and I've set that um, uh, to every 15 minutes at the moment. I should probably change that to every couple of hours, actually, David, because... You know, we only have one episode coming out every two weeks. Um, And each time it runs, it uses an action. Um, And then I have it. And then I've just set this um, as um, so I could have done this in a couple of ways. I could just get all of the records in that view and then use the iterator action, which is like a repeat with each from shortcuts to go through each of them and send that to a webhook. Instead, I just said max records one. So it it doesn't matter if there's 100 records that need show notes creating it will only grab one of them and then it will do it will make a http request for me um and then that http request is sending that over to zapier and it just tells zapier hey here's the id of the the podcast uh episode that we're working on here's the person responsible and here's the co-host because uh, zapier recently lost the ability to look up foreign keys um in its fetching record data which was frustrating me so i I've, I've switched that over to integromat um, now. And so that's two actions. It just searches records in Airtable and then it makes a HTTP request uh, over to Zapier. Um, and that's working really nicely for me. Yeah, I've been playing with the toggle support in it um, because I, I've lately been doing a thing where I use toggle. Uh, I, I've been doing a time tracking experiment on myself for the last month. Uh, you know, I kind of turn these off and on uh, once in a while just to kind of get feedback. I but I've been doing it longer than I normally do. And one of the things I do, and if you listen to the Focus podcast, I talk on that show about moving the needle. You know, I, I stopped one day and thought, well, what are the things I do that actually matter? 
as opposed to so many things I do that don't really matter at the end of the day. And I call those like moving the needle things. And, you know, working on a field guide is moving the needle. Recording this podcast is moving the needle. So I have various timers and I have just a single flag called moving the needle that some timers have that attached to it and some don't. Um, so what I'd, I'd like to prepare, and I haven't finished it yet, but I'm working in Tegromat to put together a toggle report. And you can send a toggle report like to Google Sheets or whatever. And um, I'm, But I haven't figured out if I can filter on moving the needle yet, but I think I can. And my goal with that is to send myself a, a regular report of how much time I'm spending moving the needle as opposed to just time I'm tracking. Mm-hmm. What I really like about the filtering in Integromat is obviously you can you can filter inside of the action. So for example, my search records in Airtable action, that's looking at a specific view, which is already filtered for me. But the actual connection between two actions has a little spanner. And if you click on that, then you can actually set up a filter and you can go through loads of conditions and you can say, oh, I want text that is equal to. So yeah. for example, uh, you know, if, if it's ID um, 100, um, then, you know, do something special as well, um, which is great. And also being able to add branching, um, it's it's really nice just being able to say like, oh, and this connects to this as well, please, um, and split things up and so on. And it looks pretty. Um, it sounds really weird to have that as something that you you like in in a service, an automation service. But I find if something looks good, then it really feels like they, they've made extra effort there. So. Well, I, I absolutely agree with you that I feel like they've kind of nailed the user interface, which is not an, an easy thing to do with this yep. type of service. Yeah. The only thing I will say is it's kind of tricky to navigate on an iPad on a touch screen. Uh, I don't have the magic keyboard yet, so I'm not sure if it's better with, um, with a mouse, uh, especially with the whole redecorating thing. I've... Uh, I actually wasn't able to use my iPad for a couple of days because I couldn't find a charger for it. Um, so uh, I, I, I've i not been able to plug a mouse into my iPad. I've not had a desk. It's been a case of I'm sitting on the carpet uh, balancing my iPad on my knees to use it. Um, so when I was playing with something in Integromat the other day, I wasn't able to actually right-click on one of the, the actions. I don't know if you found that you can do better, David, with a mouse. I've only been, in my head, these are Mac apps. <laughs> you know what I, yeah, mean? I, yeah. I only work with this stuff on the Mac. But the um, Yeah, I definitely recommend if you've got a Mac then or Windows machine, then, then try, and, try and use it on that. Um, they do have an iOS app, but that is for integration with iOS things and also for sending you notifications. So you can have Integromat send you a notification and you don't have to farm out to something like push bullet or push over or push cut, all of which you can absolutely use to send yourself a notification. But uh, instead you can actually have it, you know, um, send it through its own app to you, which is pretty nice. Another thing that's funny is one of the connected services for Integromat is if this, then that. Yes. So you can actually glue them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gluing Integromat with Zapier via the webhooks, uh, but you, you can also just directly integrate with if this and that, which I love. Um, because all these services, I find, you know, I'm, I'm using all three of them. Um, and there are several others out there that have been brought up in our forum, which I'm, I'm intrigued by, but have yet to expl- explore and play with. Yeah, it's like the Wild West right now for these services. <laughs> Some other integrations that are fun with Integra- Integromat is Microsoft Word templates, which I'm assuming is using the Office 365 cloud templates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then there's plenty of cloud file storage integration, OneDrive, Dropbox, all the usual suspects, you know. 
Um, it, there, there's a lot here in Integromat. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I really like is you can have a data store in Integromat. Um, so you, uh, so for example, something could trigger, um, you know, your, your device could, tr- could do something. And then that causes data to go into Integromat. Um, and then you use the data store feature. And then another um, Integromat automation can come along and pull that data out and use that somewhere else. Which means that, say, for example, you are logging your weight. I'm just going to use this as an example. It's not necessarily a great example, but every time you update your weight, you could store that inside of Integromat. And then when something else needs your weight, so say, for example, you're tracking a child's BMI or something, I'm not sure it's necessarily a good idea because it's not particularly accurate, but let's stick with it. Um, every time you update their height, it can just pull the most recent weight because you've overwritten that data in the data store. Yeah. And you can use this for all sorts of things. Um, you know, that's just the the worst possible example that I thought of off the top of my head. Um, I've not really used this yet. I was playing with it, but in my case, all of the data is available directly somewhere else where I can go and look it up. So for example, the screencast online stuff that I'm doing, I just integrate directly with Podio because that is inside of um, in Integromat, it's it's directly set up. So instead of storing the data in Integromat um, and potentially having it be stale because I turned off my my automation or something, which has been known to happen, oops, um, I just go and, and look it up directly. Yeah, like if we were putting together an automation to set up podcast planning, episode number would be a good candidate for that, where yeah. that's a number that you're not necessarily going to find on the cloud, but it's something you want to use repeatedly on maybe a Google document and a Google yeah. sheet and uh, in an Airtable and different places. Yeah. All right. You got some other Integromat uh, automations you can share with us? Yes, I do. Uh, so another one that I am using, it's a little bit more complex um, hopefully not too complex for people. I am using Podio. Uh, so that's the screencast online backend as Don McAllister shared with us when he was on. Um, and uh, an iterator to go through and compose a string of uh, t- tasks, which I then send to my Pushka automation server. Um, so every time I'm assigned a show to do over at screencast online, um, it automatically assigns a series of tasks to me. But instead of copying these out and saving them in a draft somewhere in task paper format and and some other interesting things, um, which I could have done, you know, then if somebody at Screencast Online updates the workflow and wants us to do things slightly differently, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't necessarily know that without going and checking the website. But me being me, I want all of my tasks in OmniFocus. So whenever I get t- tasks assigned to me, I use the iterator to go through all of the tasks and I compose a string. Um, and the string is a dash, a space, the name of the task, um, at due, open brackets, due date, close brackets. And then on the next line, there's the description of the task. And then on another line, there's a link. Now, the description and the link are indented with tabs. Um, and for people who are there going, this kind of sounds familiar, this is task paper format. Yeah, yeah. And then I send all of this over to um, my Pushcut Automation server. Um, that's the input, and then it runs a shortcut for me that adds all of those tasks to OmniFocus, uh, which is absolutely brilliant. And I love it because it means that I always get the list of tasks and I have the link so that I can actually go, like I check it off in OmniFocus and I can click the link and check it off in Podio as well. It's a shame that I'm using two tools. I, I should probably train myself to just rely on Podio, but I'm so used to relying on everything being in one system that I prefer to check things off twice at the moment. 
Yeah, just the general idea of using URL links to tie things together is just so useful. Um, we're going to talk later today, and, and I am really digging this Hook app on my Mac for exactly that reason. Just the ability mm-hmm. to create a URL link to anything. And, and OmniFocus is a good place for that, because you can create URL links to OmniFocus tasks or projects or folders. So you can you really can glue things together across different apps. Yes, yeah, and I I love the fact that that just works. Um, I actually have a friend who was looking at using Hook and ended up writing a little Bash uh, script workflow that he uses with Alfred to get links to different files and so on on his Mac, so that he can just you know paste them in anywhere. Uh, I'll have yeah. to see whether or not he's willing to share that with people and uh, get it for you if possible. For the show notes, um, because it just uses a, a file link. Uh, so if you right click on something in Finder, then you can copy a, a file link. You, you might need to press uh, Option uh, to do that, um, but then you can copy your file path um, as a name. And uh, so yeah. that's all right. that's all set up uh, through uh, Alfred and a little bit of Bash scripting, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'll take a look at that because the advantage of that is if you're working with like cloud services. You don't want to, and you have files you don't want to put on the internet. You can just mm-hmm. create local links to the files. Then the link yeah. can be on the cloud service because it's no good unless it's run on your computer. Yep. But, um, but it's a, it's like a nice way to, to use, um, to have access to things without putting things necessarily on the web. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by ExpressVPN high speed, secure, and anonymous VPN services. Get an extra three months free when you sign up over at expressvpn.com slash automators. There's a ton of VPN providers out there. You've probably heard of a couple of them, and some of you may have even used a VPN before, but there's a reason I use ExpressVPN, and that's why we have them as a sponsor. They're really good. Here's why. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Other VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your information. Second is speed. Many VPNs slow down your connection and make your device sluggish. I've been using ExpressVPN for years, and uh, while my internets are blazing fast, so are my devices when I'm running ExpressVPN. Even when I connect to servers thousands of miles away, I can still stream HD-quality videos with zero lag. The last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is how easy it is to use. Unlike other VPNs, you don't have to input or program anything. You just fire up the app and click one button to connect. That's it. It's so easy that even your grandparents could use it. And it's not just me saying that. Wired, The Verge, CNET, and other tech experts rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. Uh, I've been using ExpressVPN, like I said, for years. I just like having my data secure, particularly when I'm on Wi-Fi. And we find ourselves connecting to strange Wi-Fi once in a while, and it can be really scary because you don't know if somebody's, you know, sniffing at the signal. I do client work on my devices, and I just want to be safe. So um, I hit that button in ExpressVPN, and I feel absolutely secure and safe. Even in this time of COVID, I was at a, a friend's house. We did a social distance visit recently. And I ended up having to do a little work. And uh, I hooked, hooked up ExpressVPN. It's just like push one button and you're in business. It's just so easy to use. And uh, it gives you peace of mind. 
Um, you don't have to think about it, and it's just one button, and you're in. So protect yourself with VPN that I use and trust. Go to expressvpn.com slash automators today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash automators. Go there now. Check it out. Visit expressvpn.com slash automators to learn more. And our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the automators and all of RelayFM. Well, David, we can't really talk about all of these web automation services without talking about Zapier. Now, we did do a show on Zapier, didn't we? Uh, episode 10, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, so that was a while ago, 50 episodes ago. Wow. We've been doing this for a while. I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, and Zapier, I have to say, is probably my most heavily used web service. I have, you know, 20 Zaps running. Um, there are loads of steps um, in all of them. They do everything from put every new episode of the Mac Power users onto the Mac Power users forum and the same on the automators and focused yeah. uh, because, you know, I'm I'm sneakily behind the scenes on a couple of things there um, to to more complicated things like, you know, figuring out exactly what's going in our default outline for the show notes based on whether or not we have a guest or whether or not there are things in the notes in Airtable um, and putting it all together and opening up a Google Doc, hopefully. Uh, for us um and it's one of those things where i find it's it's very much designed as a business tool uh so unlike if this and that which is very much more targeted at somebody who's there going hey i just got this fancy new washer dryer set that's supposed to be automation-y which you know that's where you turn to if this and that um but if you're there going i need to integrate base camp time a toggle and um, Google Docs, th then that's that's where you're you're going to be looking at something like Zapier, really, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it is so much more information internet based than home automation based. You know, I, I feel like uh, we've kind of gone through, you know, the was it the three little bears? You know, the soft bed, the medium bed, the hard bed. <laughs> Zapier is the most powerful of them. I, I think yes. I, I could, I, now I, you've used Integromat more than me, but it, I've never really had kind of a web automation problem that I couldn't get to the bottom of with Zapier. I've had a few little things like, for example, if it's watching Airtable records, it will only ever trigger on one Airtable record once. And that's not once per Zap, that's once globally. So, for example, if a, if an automator's record triggers the create show notes thing, it that can't then trigger a create reminder to uh, publish show of uh, if it's Rose's episodes. Um, yeah. So I am using Integromat to watch Airtable views to trigger Zapier zaps because I already have most of the zaps up in uh, in Zapier, and so I just change the the first action uh, to a webhook and then have have Integromat ping it. Um, but the vast majority of the time, I I can solve my problem with with Zapier on its own independently. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I think Integromat I like better is their user interface. We, I mean, we talked about that in the last segment, but uh, Zapier, you, it takes a little while to kind of figure out how to glue this stuff together in Zapier. That I didn't have that 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 amount of friction with Integromat. Uh, it, it's one of those things where I don't think either service really offers a lot of friction, unlike if this and that at least used to. Um, but it very much depends on what you're trying to do and what you're more familiar with. I would suggest that for a lot of people, Integromat, especially if you're using branching, um, is much easier to get to grips with because you don't have to pay for a higher tier plan uh, if you want branching and to do different actions to, based on different outcomes. Um Zapier's branching, at least on the $20 a month plan, is more of an if filter. If this, 
then I'll do this. But there's no else. Um, so uh, that that's where that perhaps falls short. Not necessarily really falls short, but it doesn't work as well uh, on the lower tiers as it could do for some people. Yeah, but then I look at my completed Zapier zaps and they make complete sense to me and they're very easy to go in and edit. So I, I don't know. I, I guess they're they're both very good at this. Yes, yeah, they, they are. And I, I really like using both tools. I wouldn't say that there is a clear winner in the web automation world uh, yeah. as far as any of these go because it really depends on what you're doing, how much money you've got to spend, what problem you're trying to solve, and you know what, what you want to do to, to solve that because all of these are great services. Yeah. So some of the things I've done with Zapier, I'm using it a lot for the law practice stuff. And like I was having an issue where I would um, get a new client and I'd need to do an Airtable entry and I'd need to do a Basecamp project creation. I had all these things that I needed to do with, with basic cloud services and it was dumb retyping and copying and pasting this into multiple places. And Zapier, I was able to put together a Zap that would monitor the Airtable and then look at a new entry there and then populate that across to other mm -hmm. services, the billing service, the Basecamp, and, and other things. And it was just rock solid. I never had a problem with it once I got it established. Yes. I, and that's what we really want, isn't it, from all of these things. We don't want a wonky solution that sometimes kind of maybe works. We want a rock solid solution that actually solves our problems because that's what automation is intended to do. Um, and if it's not solving our problems and it's creating problems, then why are we doing it? Uh, you know, that that doesn't really, you know, fit the the purpose of the show or what we want to do personally either. It is interesting to me the overlap between these online services and local options. Like one of the zaps that I used to use was I would cancel toggle timers in the evening, you know, and mm -hmm. just have it, um, you know, because once in a while you have a toggle timer going, you forget to turn it off, you wake up the next day and it ran throughout your sleep. Mm -hmm. um, with with um, both Zapier and um, Integromat, that is a possibility because it's got toggle integration but now with shortcuts on ios having time triggers i can just say every day at 11 p.m open timery and stop the currently running shortcut and i prefer that local solution so where yes. i don't use those as cloud solutions anymore yeah, the the disadvantage with a local solution like that is it doesn't work if you your personal device is offline. So, for example, I've recently been having a few battery issues on my iPhone. I'm sure it's an iOS bug. It was fine the other day, and then I update it, and now my screen doesn't light up properly. It's a bit dark until I reboot, and it keeps running out of battery. Uh, uh -oh. So it's living in a battery case. Um, so I have a feeling that I, I'm suffering for running a developer beta. Yeah. That is my fault. I am a developer. So, you know, I have a good reason to be running it, uh, but probably shouldn't be running it on my primary device. But that means if my iPhone dies in the evening, then that automation isn't going to run. Um, and so either then I want a dedicated device that's always plugged in to run something like that. I have my Pushcut automation server device. I could definitely use that. That wouldn't be a problem. Um, or um, I could, uh, you know, leave it in Zapier. Now, the disadvantage of the Zapier side of things, as I discovered last year when I was at WWDC uh, with you, was that it was stopping my timer at 10 p.m. Central European time. 10 p.m. Central European time is not 10 p.m. San Francisco time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, time zones are weird. 
it's kind yeah. of crazy. Yeah. And uh, and Zapier didn't automatically detect that I had, you know, temporarily relocated myself to the other side of the world for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. You know, fair enough. It shouldn't. But if this and that, in my experience, can do that, but it doesn't have toggle integration. So, um, so you know, there are swings and roundabouts with all of this. Um, but it's it's really interesting seeing where local automation on your devices can replace some of these things, but where, you know, the web automation definitely stands strong. Yeah, there's definitely not a single solution for this stuff. Mm-mm. I mean, it really, I, I would recommend if you're listening to the show and you want to incorporate some web-based automation that figure out what what is the problem you want to solve. I think that's probably the beginning point. And then look at these tools in relation to that problem. Like if you want to do day one stuff, you're probably going to be on if this, then that. If you want to do more kind of like data transfer between web services, you're probably over at Zapier or Integromat. And and you just have to, you just kind of have to approach it from that direction. Because if yeah. you just start in the blind, um, each tool has its its positives and negatives. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And all of these things, you know, it's, it's one of the... It's, things where you probably aren't going to be me and David where you want to pay for all three tools. Uh, if you have a business case for it and you can you know, classify it as a business expense, that's great. But unless you actually have a need for all three tools, you're probably going to want to try and consolidate things as well. Um, and honestly, if, if you're looking at the home automation side of things, I would definitely say that you want if this and that. Um, whereas if you're looking at the more, you know, business type scenarios, then you're probably going to be looking at Integromat or Zapier. Um, and then you could start by shopping on price because Integromat's less than half the price, which is a pretty good starting point. You can always migrate things over to Zapier later if you needed to. Yeah. I mean, you just got to see what I think actually the starting point, because the difference in price isn't that much. I would say, look at them and see which one is easier for you to grok, you know? Yes. What's yeah. the service that can, cause they, they have different opinions as to how to do these things. And if it, you know, if it, if it, if you get into one of these and it makes a lot of sense to you, then that's the one you should start with because um, this is hard enough as it is. You don't need to add a degree difficulty by not understanding it. Like I was in, if this and that last night looking at it and they keep changing their interface and mm-hmm. they used to have a simple button to show all of the integrated services, but they took that out. And the only way you do it now is like if you go to create a new if this then that, then it gives you a list of all the services they've got tied in. But you know, like I spent minutes looking for that, you know, where it used to just be a button on their home screen where you'd say, okay, here are all the services we can integrate with. So you, and in my my head, you first want to do all the integrations that you have and then see what you can glue together. Um, but they had kind of switched the logic on me, and it took me a while to to get to the bottom of it and. That you know that that can be an issue if you're trying to figure out which one of these is the one for you. Yes, uh, I would also say if you're looking for a little bit more detail on any of these, uh, Screencast Online did uh, I think a two part tutorial on Zapier, and I did a one part tutorial on Integromat, um, which we'll put links to in the show notes. Um, where even if you're not a Screencast Online member, you can watch the free samples and just see you know, what it's like without having to sign up for the service and play with it yourself necessarily. Um, Though, of course, uh, all of these services you can sign up for and play with for free. Um, You you know, it's only if you need to go beyond the constraints of the free plan that you'll have to pay. Yeah, and that also, if you only need a few items with one of these services, you can use all of them, you know I mean? So 
there's nothing wrong with that. You know, spend yeah. some time with each one. Uh, none of them, to my knowledge, have a have a time limit. So long as you just stay within the constraints of the free plan. So it's not mm-hmm. like you only have two weeks to figure it out. Um, and that might be a really good idea is just, just sign up for all three of them, but just keep, you know, within the free plan limits and after a month or two, see which one really resonates with you. Yes, definitely. Um, that, that's something that you should, I, I would say that if you're listening to the show, you should probably have all three of them on the free plans, at least just so that you can say that you've got it, um, and that you've played with it. Now, um, with respect to the forums, you had said there were some additional services recommended by some listeners. I hadn't seen that post. What what are some other ones that we should be checking out? So one that I've seen, I believe, at least twice in the Automators forum is a uh, application called, uh, I'm not sure if it's Huggin or Hugin, H-U-G-I-N-N. And this is a self-hosted version of sort of if this and that Zapier or Integromat. Um, so they, they say it's a system for building agents to perform automated tasks online. Uh, it's got a picture of a raven, uh, but the idea is that it will do it for you, but you have to host it and run it yourself. Um, so that's both a good thing and a bad thing. If you think, oh my gosh, hosting this myself, that sounds terrifying. This is not the service for you. If you think, yeah, I've got a server. I could put some other services on it. I would definitely recommend that you play with it. And then you tell us in the forums, please, what it's like. I have not yet had a chance to, to do this. I would love to set this up and play with it. Um, I, it's within my comfort zone. I just need a time machine. So if anybody has one of those, I would really like that. I have so many things that I need to do. (laughs) So I've not had a chance. That's kind of the problem with the bake your own is that if things change, it's not the initial setup that gets me. It's like the six months later, it just stops working and then you've got to figure out why that's the thing I don't like about the stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. And you have to keep it up to date and maintain it yourself, which is both a good thing if you're, you know, if you're worried about the the privacy and, and knowing what's in it. This is an open source application. Um, it works uh, apparently quite well. There, There's a good GitHub uh, uh, repository for it. Um, it's fairly active. Uh, the last update, as I'm looking at it, was three weeks ago. Uh, but this has been around for at least seven years now. Um, with, you know, different things going on. Um, So, you know, you can always take a look at it and see what it's like. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by the IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint, your biweekly conversation and interview podcast hosted by the SharePoint team. Some of my favorite tech podcasts are those where the hosts bring in interview guests who are solving unique technology problems, explaining how they do it, giving you an idea how you can get better at solving your own problems. That's the reason why we have guests here on the Automator Show, and that's the reason why we have the whole workflow series over on Mac Power Users as well. If you like that and you're looking for a new show to listen to, this week's sponsor, The Interzone, is a biweekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related tech can work for you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field, so you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each show covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, a focused topic of the week, guest perspectives, facts of the week, and upcoming events. And just so you have an idea what to expect, I want to tell you about some topics you might be interested in that were on previous episodes. They've discussed working from home, which is relevant to everyone at this point, and also figuring out an intelligent intranet for your organization. They also did an episode talking about API and teamwork, too, 
which you should give a try. I've been listening to the IntraZone lately, and I particularly enjoyed the recent episode with CreoSpark and the Canadian Special Olympics. In it, Mark and Chris talked to Denise from the Special Olympics Canada about their data management problems. They had data spread out all over the place. They didn't have an integrated system. So they switched over to SharePoint with the help of CreoSpark, and it really is a success story. And it's also just a great way to hear how an organization figures out a way to combine its data and make it easier for everyone to get their work done. I find stories like this fascinating, and the IntraZone is just full of them. So go and listen to it now. Just search for the IntraZone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E. Or just click the link in the show notes. Go ahead and check it out. Our thanks to the IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of the automators and all of RelayFM. So, Rose, what automation problems are you solving these days? Well, I kind of feel like I'm creating automation problems at the moment because uh, when I left home uh, just before we were going to record this episode, because I'm temporarily recording at my parents' place again, I had a box of things, home automation things on my kitchen counter, which need to be set up and plugged in. But uh, because everything's being redecorated, I don't have sockets and stuff right now um, because they need to be replaced because they weren't up to code. So I had to get an electrician in to do that. Um, so I, I've been doing some fun things, though. I have smart blinds. I have a smart blind in my bedroom. And when I turn my alarm off in the morning, uh, when I turn off my wake up alarm specifically on my iPhone, it automatically opens my blind for me which is great. And I'm loving this so much. Um, and I have a an automated blind in my kitchen and I'm about to get one in my office slash studio. Hopefully it will actually be installed by the time I get back. These are the Ikea blinds. They have two. They have a, a blackout blind called the Fyrtur, F-Y-R-T-U-R. And then another one that begins with a K that I've forgotten how to pronounce it or spell it. Uh, that is not a blackout blind that I've got in my kitchen. And it's so great. They're really easy to set up. Um, like actually physically install the software setup could be a little bit better. The IKEA uh, Home Smart app is not the smartest, <laughs> uh, yeah. but once it works, it's great. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm loving home automation stuff. There, there's literally a box of sensors and stuff on my kitchen counter for me to install as soon as the redecorating's finished. Uh, but I'm not quite there yet. So yeah, and we're going to do a whole show on that because I I just want to hear. The thing I'm interested with you, Rose, is your triggers and your, you know, your conditions for triggering lights. It's, it's, it's harder for me. I, I do have a lot of home automation stuff installed, but in terms of just like walk in a room and turn the lights on or turn them off, it's difficult because there's three other humans in the house. You know, <laughs> and uh, um, I understand we can do like sensors and say when nobody's in the room, but it, it's it's just harder with multiple people because like if my wife is working in the kitchen lights just randomly go off um that is not something she's going to be happy with her husband about and uh, uh, so. yeah 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 i can see why you you need uh the family approval factor um yeah. you know you also have a puppy who will probably object to things if you know it suddenly gets very cold or very hot yeah, um yeah. so uh, yeah. Whereas I, I am predominantly worried about me, but I've decided that I am going to make things uh, slightly dumb. So for a lot of things, I'm getting physical buttons. And I bought some really cheap, I think they were 
like less than a dollar each um, in Ikea, um, plastic photo frames. Okay, these are not great photo frames, but they're perfect for put a piece of colored paper in them and stick the mounts for the Ikea buttons on the front and put labels underneath. So I know that this button is for the heater and there's an on and off on that button. Yeah. And this one is for the blind, and that one's an up and a down. And this one is for the light, and that's, you know, all of the different toggles. Um, and then they're all in, like, one photo frame. So if there are other people, and they're like, how do I do this thing? Then it'll be, you know, like, there's there's a little thing that I can pick up and give to them, and they can figure it out. Um, because I, I am getting a sofa bed. It should be being delivered tomorrow. I had new carpets installed today. Um, so the sofa couldn't arrive until tomorrow. Um, but it's a sofa bed. So that means that, you know, when there's not a global pandemic anymore, I can have people come stay. Um, and, uh, you know, being able to, you know, give them a thing and say, Hey, here's how you control the stuff in the room that you're in. So you don't, you know, overheat or get blinded would be pretty nice. Yeah. Well, I, I, my automation problems I've been working on lately are just a lot of stuff in drafts. I mean, we had Greg on recently, but um, after we recorded that show, he, um, cause I pestered him on the show, I think he added the ability to turn drafts tags into Apple finder tags. So now like one of the automations I use is like when I have a phone call come in for a client matter, um, I just have a draft that runs a text template and you can do that in drafts where it just inserts text. So it'll say, who's the call with, what's the subject, you know, what are the tasks I'm assigning myself and so I can fill that in during the call, but it also automatically, when it runs the template, it tags the note with the word, with a tag called note, and then a tag for legal. And then um, when I'm done, I also add a, an additional tag with the client name. All that's done in drafts. And then ah, when, okay. when I push the button at the end, it exports a markdown text file to a specific location on my drive that Hazel's looking at. And Hazel says, oh, there is a file that has client name plus the word note plus a note tag on it. Uh, I'm just going to grab that and stick it in the notes folder for that client. And so it's just super fast workflow for me where I can take notes and they get filed immediately where they belong. And it's totally secure because it's just on my drive. It's not going to the cloud anywhere. And all that's because Greg added that ability to export the, you know, the, the tags as Apple tags. And I'm so thankful to him for, for taking the time to do that. Because I think he really only did it, did it to shut me up. <laughs> well, I've seen snippets of this workflow coming through, David. So I'm really, really pleased that this is working for you. I yeah. need to uh, sort out my my digital filing system. Everything's kind of a mess right now um, because, you know, I've been experimenting with different apps and different things here and there. And do I really need to save this? And do I just save it in Finder or do I throw it in DevonThink? And all of this different stuff that is going on. So I'm going to be doing an overhaul of my system. But the finder tags, hmm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be taking a leaf out of your book here because that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, and then I also have the JavaScript step that looks at the note. And if there's anything in there that starts with a dash, then it gets added to the OmniFocus inbox. So if I, mm -hmm. if I give myself a task arising out of the call, I'll just say dash, you know, write contract. And then at the same time that it's saving and, and the markdown file out, it'll yank out that line with the dash after and create a new OmniFocus inbox item with that. And um, so it's just a very efficient workflow for me. But like you, I've also been spending a lot of time with notes and trying to bring automation to bear. I'm uh, 
you know, partly Mike Schmitz's fault, but I've been, you know, playing with Rome Research, which is kind of the new sexy thing on the internet, which I like a lot about Rome, but I don't like, it's a web tool only, so that makes me a little nervous. And their security model just really isn't implemented yet. I mean, you get an account and you have a password, but there's no two-factor authentication. There's no end-to-end encryption. There's a whole bunch of reasons why I just can't use it for a lot of the stuff I do. But the idea of backlinks, which Rome Research uses, uh, I see the attraction of that. And I've been putting a rudimentary backlink system into drafts. Mm-hmm. And so because drafts has the ability to create crosslinks. So if you're in drafts, like I have a draft called Automator's Podcast. And then underneath that, I've got a bunch of de- details for the show and settings and things that I use for show. But I've also got a thing there called episode list. And underneath that, I've got, you know, ep- each episode listed, you know, and they'll say, you know, episode 60, you know, um, web-based automation, and it'll have double brackets around it. And that links to the automator's episode 60 draft that I have. So I've got notes on the specific episode and everything links together. And there's a drafts action that a user created. I'll put a link in the show notes that will automatically generate backlinks. So now if I go into the, um, the episode draft, uh, it'll, it will look for any other draft that links to it. So it's a backlink. It's not as, it's not as efficient or as convenient as, as room research or even obsidian, but it still gives you the benefit of a backlink. And Mm -hmm. um, so, so I'm doing a bunch of automation stuff around that yet. And like you, I'm kind of like rethinking my note system and the thing is, I wrote a post about this at Max Sparky, but right now we're in the midst of a revolution in notes with tools like Obsidian and Drafts coming out and the idea of these backlinks and the idea that everything kind of connects to everything else. And I am sold. I mean, I think that one of the big problems with notes apps has always been that we have to stop and think about where does this go? And that's a huge hang up because we're not sure where it goes when we start writing it. Whereas with these new systems, it's kind of a beautiful chaos where everything links together. You don't really think about where it belongs, but you can find it when you need it. And um, and I'm not sure where this is all going to end up. I mean, Rome just took a bunch of money, so hopefully they'll get their security in order. Um, um, Obsidian seems to come out with a new update every week. Drafts is getting some amazing features. So I honestly don't know where it all ends. But for now, I'm doing this in a place I trust, which is Drafts. And um, and I'm pretty happy with the backlinks I've been doing there. Yes, that sounds really great. I was really excited when drafts added cross-linking where you can use two sets of square brackets and you can just type in the title of a draft or you can, uh, I think it was you and then colon the UUID of the draft to, yeah. to just create a, a link to it. Yeah. And that is very exciting. And I need to do a lot more playing with that and figuring out how that works together because I have a series of automations that create loads of drafts for me for you know like one specific thing that i'm doing like you know a, a show for screencast online or you know uh, some stuff that's happening at work i i have multiple different areas that i need to keep notes in and instead of having one really 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 long note i j- i just want you know multiple other notes um so that i can jump between them but i need to figure out how i can then take those uuids and put them into the other ones so that I have everything uh, available for me, because I need to. I would like those links at the top if I can, but I'll figure it out. And the nice thing about doing it in drafts is drafts is on iOS and it's on Mac, and it is so automation friendly with shortcuts. 
I mean, and and with drafts, you can get the UUID of a specific note. I mean, there's just a lot to like about that whole system and that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're recording this, I've got a series of posts and the video coming out this week about this personal retreat I took. And all that stuff was written in draft, but it's all cross-linked using that system and using the backlink. So it really made the process of putting that together pretty simple. And kind of to, to put a bow in it, um, I am combining that with this app, you know, Hook, that I I just recently started using more frequently. And Hook gives you the ability to create a link to almost anything on your Mac. And and you just, you know, hit the magic keystroke and it creates a link and it does a file link. Apparently Rose has got a way to do it even without using Hook, which is cool. But I like the ability to create links to specific files. Like when I was experimenting with the room research, I would put hook links in the room research outline to a specific client document. So the document itself wouldn't be in the room database, but I would be able to get access to it. But I do the same thing in drafts or like, um, I, I talked earlier about how I have a page, a drafts page for the automators podcast. Well, on that page, I have a link to the Google folder where we keep all of the documents that we do the show on. And I have a link to the Airtable where we do the show planning. And I have a link to the OmniFocus project for automators. And so I go, and all this stuff cross-links. And I do the same thing in the you know, OmniFocus page uh, project for automators. I also have links to the Airtable and to the draft. And like everything is connected with these URLs. And I've automated as much as that as I can. Some of it I, I can't automate. Some of it just you have to resort to a block and copy. And... Not all of this requires Hook. Um, the primary thing I've been doing with Hook is using it for uh, file links and also email links. But I, I I can do email links also with an Apple script, but actually it's faster for me to do it with Hook. And I rewrote the Apple script in Hook to allow me to use an Apple script uh, message link as opposed to the Hook link. So it's not proprietary and I can open it on iPad. But I'm rambling. Um, uh, bottom line is... Uh, you know, cross-linking and URL linking for automators is a very handy trick. Yes. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And while you were talking, I just figured out, I believe Drafts offers a search cross-link. And I think that's going to solve my problem because I can just put the search cross-link in there because there's a unique term at the beginning of every single title, um, yeah. which is the same throughout that series of notes. So, bam, we're done. Oh, wow. This is great. Thank you, David. Yeah. You solved a problem for me and you <laughs> didn't even know you were doing it. Yeah, well it, it is a fun time, though. I mean, drafts is kind of my app of choice for this stuff, but there are some very interesting tools being developed out there, and I'm super curious to see where all this goes. And I think a year from now, um, I, 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 like I said earlier, I just think that the whole idea of note-taking is undergoing a transformation right now, and it's mm-hmm. very exciting as a nerd to see how this plays out. Definitely, it is. All right, so uh, that does it for today's episode. We are The Automators. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. I want to thank our sponsors for today. That's uh, Smile Software, bringing us PDF Pin, ExpressVPN, and the IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint. Uh, You can find us over at automators.fm. You can find the forums over at talk.automators.fm. You can find the show at relay.fm slash automators. Then, Rose, uh, what are you up to on the internet these days? Oh, gosh, I've been doing so many things, David. Uh, I feel like I'm both coming and going at the same time. Uh, if you're looking for me, generally, rosemaryoshit.com. And uh, I'm also doing things over at the Suite Setup and at Screencast Online. 
Yeah, I'm over at maxbarking.com. Just this week, as the show publishes, I've done a series of posts on the kind of the hippie part of a personal retreat and also the technology of how I did it. So I think that's kind of interesting. I've also recently tried to kind of reboot my newsletter to make it something more useful. If you're interested, I would encourage you to go to maxbarky.com and sign up for the newsletter. And uh, once again, we're the automators. We've got a lot of great content coming for you. We'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye, everyone.